My title for today is Church Fellowship Together. I know you may expect the actual Christmas message because it's actually a week before Christmas. But I know uh, one of your lay preachers will deliver Christmas message next Sunday, so I decided not to give you too much Christian, uh, Christmas message. So today's text is Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. Church, fellowship together. Again, today, um, I would like to share with you just one theme that should be fellowship. Fellowship in the church. The passage, uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47, is the most important text which portrays the church in its ultimate and biblical form. Despite what many people believe, the church is not a building or an institution. Biblically speaking, the church is a group of people a group of genuine Christians. We can be church without church buildings. But the church uh, buildings cannot be the church without people, without Christians. We can still worship God without church buildings. Of course, worship can happen at any time in and in any place. So that means whenever and wherever we are gathered, we are the church. Hence, church doesn't just happen on Sunday mornings. Church happens whenever the body of Christ is together. Furthermore, any time we acknowledge the greatness and the holy presence of our God, it can be an act of worship. No doubt at all. The church buildings are useful facilities in providing a comfortable environment for worship, fellowship, and other church activities. But worship is not to be restricted to a certain building or a certain place. Worship should take place outside of a church building as well as inside of a church building. We therefore need to have a private time of worship as well as a public time of of worship with other Christians in order to build unity and harmonious relationship and spiritual working relationship together as one church in Christ. In addition, fellowship is at the heart of what it means to be the church. Being together, united around our love for our Savior Christ Jesus, and for each other is the primary way in which we can connect and grow together as disciples. The truth of the matter is that we need each other, and without each other, we 
cannot be the church. Precisely, fellowship, being together, is one of the key lessons we should learn from uh, uh, this te- today, our text in this morning. In the New Testament, the early church was defined by fellowship. I don't use actually often a Greek word, but on this occasion I have to use actually a Greek word. Please forgive me. Greek word for fellowship is koinonia, which means sharing in common and communion, which we're going to celebrate soon. This koinonia was at the heart of the spiritual experience of the first century Christians. The focus of the early church was on one's relationship with Christ and other Christians in the fellowship. The church had a powerful testimony among the unsaved Jews, not only because of the miraculous signs done by the apostles in chapter in verse 43, but also because of the way the members of the fellowship loved each other, loved one another, and served their Lord. Consequently, the risen Lord continued to, to work with them and the people continued to be saved. What a church! On the other hand, first century Christians were often focused to meet together in uh, uh, shattered and in sheltered corner rooms of homes for fear of the Roman persecution. Historically speaking, being Christian in first century Rome at a time when emperor worship was the standard religion of the day was an enormous risk. They might be beaten, their homes might be burned, and they might be killed, they might be persecuted. Even though the stakes were high, they refused to be kept from being together. Subsequently, the uh, 3,000 new uh, uh, converts need instruction in the word and fellowship with God's people if they were to grow become, uh, 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 and, and become effective witnesses. This genuine fellowship of the early church demonstrates her internal character, strength, quality, maturity, commitment, and vision. This fellowship must be strong enough to render all other barriers and diversities among them, such as race, gender, economic status, differences in opinions of only secondary importance. Why? The fellowship should reveal the spiritual spiritual nature of the church as the embodiment of the sovereignty of God. Interestingly enough, fellowship produced and formed community, a community of faith, that unites people in Christ. 
Of course, it is a Christ-centered community. That is, again, church. Because of this spiritual fellowship, the church is not an organization. It is a living organism. Thus, the church should be growing. Thus, the church should be growing. She ought to be changing, and she must be producing. Don't get me wrong, please. Building, maintenance, members, activities, and programs that we think will attract people to the church are necessary uh, uh, organizational aspect of church life. But all of these things fall short of being the spiritual identity of the church. The message of the New Testament is the vivid reminder that church will be defined by the health of its relationship. I don't know what kind of reputation you would like to have in this town, uh, Karen, but Your reputation, our church's reputation must be on the basis of our fellowship in his word, in Christ, our savior. So especially verse 42 presents an ideal picture of the new community rejoicing in the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Listen to their a message in, in, chapter, in verse 37. God has made uh, uh, Jesus, whom you crucified, both uh, Lord and Christ, and, and said again, and repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ Jesus, forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of was the good news of the forgiveness of our sins. It was all about our salvation. It was a gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the meaning of Christmas, isn't it? Christmas is a gift of our God for his people. Yes, it was the proclamation of the gospel of Christ Jesus It was declaration of God's life-saving, life-changing, life-reforming work in his providence. Furthermore, today's text reveals to us the proper focus of a community of believers in verse 42. In verse 42, say, they devoted themselves to to the the teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. If you look at verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The teaching to which they devoted themselves was the message about Jesus proclaimed by his disciples. Jesus, the divine Son of God, and our Savior was crucified and buried, and he rose from the dead. 
That is again the message of Christmas, isn't it? Our Savior Christ Jesus was born to die for us. His destiny already done. And he was born to die on the cross for your sin and for my sin, for the sins of the whole world. That is the meaning of Christmas, isn't it? In other words, the apostles' teaching, fellowship, praying, and the Lord's table, and our ordinary fellowship meal were the focal points of the first Christian community. Obviously, they should be apparent and distinguishable characteristics of our church too. Whenever people come to our church, whenever we have visited in our church, they should immediately notice that we have genuine Christian fellowship here in his church. And we share the Lord's table and we share a common meal, which is our congregation lunch. We're going to celebrate. We're going to enjoy after our service. People immediately notice that we are uh, uh, loving to hear the message of our Savior Christ Jesus. That should be the reputation and the characteristics of this church. Having said that, there are two lessons we should learn. Firstly, the very first community of Christians gathered together on a regular basis for worship, prayer, study, and fellowship. In verse 44 says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. And 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. That is actually fellowship meal or congregational meal and act together with glad and sincere hearts. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy to follow Christ in the first century. It also isn't easy even for us to follow our Savior Christ and truly live for him. Discouragement, temptation, sin, apathy, failure, materialism, injustice, false criticism, unbelieving family and friends, doubts, rejection, unanswered questions, and so on and so forth. We face so many obstacles in our desire to live for our Lord. God, however, has not left us on our own to run the race and, and fight the battle. He has given us each other. He has given us each other in his church. As a matter of fact, if we want to be a growing church, if we desire to have a spiritual and biblical mature fellowship amongst us, we must uh, devour to hear nothing 
nothing but the word of God being preached in the church. We also should have a zeal and commitment being together as a one body of Christ, as one spiritual family in Christ, regardless of our personal ill feeling toward others, perhaps disappointment or disencouragement or dissatisfaction we might have in dealing with, our, uh, dealing with the church affairs and issues. Put all those things behind and listen to the word of God and found his love and his fellowship with his people and built on our relationship. Remember, we are not to fail to become all God intends us to be. More importantly, we are not to fail to worship God in any situation and circumstances. We have no excuse not to, not to comply with God's command, that is, worship him, glorify him, and enjoy him forever. Let's, let us not forget Worship is not when we come together to just talk about Jesus and God. But worship is when we encounter God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We therefore must kneel before the Lord our maker, according to Psalm 95 and verse 6, and serve the Lord with gladness, Come before him with joyful singing, Psalm 102. Indeed, we should bow down in his holy presence. This is worship God commands us to do faithfully and diligently. Let us then have a taste of real strength in a public worship together like this today. Let us celebrate the fact that we are bound together into a fellowship, a community of one faith in Christ our Savior. A second reason is that worship happens not when we are pleased, but when God is pleased, honored, and glorified. Ephesians 5 and 10 makes quite clear, saying, Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. Make no mistake. Sometimes, possibly, or almost every time, keeping his commandment and worshipping him may well be uncomfortable. Of course, walking into the presence of a holy God Almighty should make all of us uncomfortable and not so relaxed. Whenever we have fellowship with God in worship, we are are convinced that God is holy, and we are sinners. We should then be embarrassed and shameful of our sins and ask what we should do, as did the the people in verse 37, saying, Brothers, What shall we do? The answer was, repent and save yourselves from this corrupt generation, according to verse 40. What Peter urged 
in this chapter was that they must turn from unbelieving response to Jesus to a way of deliverance by a repentant calling of the Lord and be saved from the perverse generation. Then they belonged to the new community of genuinely believing God's people, God's chosen people. Indeed, in Christ, we are a community of faith. It is a special place where we can minister and be ministered to throughout lives, and especially during tough times. God desired to strengthen and empower each and every one of us through the community of genuine believers, believers like us. He expects us to support each other during the storm of life. God commands us to encourage one another to grow as disciples for the purpose of bringing glory to him and him alone. God demands us to put the community of Christ a priority in our lives. On the other hand, we should help each other to be more like Christ. As we confess our sins together and as we study the Bible and apply God's word to our lives, we will see our lives formed and shaped and transformed by Christ. Why? God's word. God's word is our primary source for Christian growth and edification. God's word lays a foundation for, uh, for building our lives. God's word advised, admonished, instructs, and challenged, convicts, and changes us. As we encounter his word together, we are again transformed. This is why we need to be an active part of a community of faith. We need each other, and they need us. We belong to God's spiritual household. Indeed, this unity of fellowship, uh, based on the word of God, makes the new Christ-centered community distinguishable, outstanding, and exceptional in the world. Yes, this is exactly what our church should be. As a community of Christ, we worship God together as we love him. We study and preach the word of God together because we love his word we enjoy harmonious relationship amongst us and reach out to the lost because we love people. Finally, let us listen to Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching, let us encourage one another. The early Christians we met in the book of Acts, especially chapter 2, 
were not content to meet once a week for service as usual. They, in fact, met daily. In chapter, in chapter 2, verse 46, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. If you look at chapter 6 and verse 1, In, though, in chapter 6, verse 1, in second half of chapter uh, uh, 6, verse 1, and they also daily cared, they helped each other. It say, uh, Jews, and, uh, because their widows were being overlooked in daily distribution of food, they actually looked after uh, those who are in need. And again, if you look at chapter 2, verse 47, they actually uh, won the souls daily. It says, their numbers daily, those who were being saved. And they searched for the scripture daily. If you look at uh, chapter 17 and verse 11 at home, and increased in number daily. Again, chapter 16 and verse 5. In other words, their Christian faith was a day-to-day reality, not a once-a-week or whenever they feel like routine. Why? Because the risen Christ was a living reality to them. And they implemented the teaching of the apostles into their daily lives with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, to my mind, it has to be love. It must be love for Christ. Our Christian lives are to be lived and experienced in relationship with other fellow Christians centered on our common love for Christ and the faithful obedience in carrying, carrying out his mission into the world. Christian love is not all about feeling or emotion, but all about acting with conviction of the truth and the promise of our Savior Christ Jesus. This love was clearly demonstrated through service and ministry in the early church. Their love of fellows effectively and practically demonstrated in the sharing of material goods that was practiced in the early church. Thus, this practical love, I mean sharing contacting, maybe making phone call, visiting, encouraging, and meeting together, sharing meal together, should always be treated as a matter of a priority, both in our daily Christian life and church ministry. And then God will be glorified, and according to his time and will, he will add numbers into our church. Amen.